Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Paddock Chat, a West Midlands Group original podcast created to keep local growers in the loop without having to leave the paddock. I'm your host, Kira Holly, and I am the West Midlands Group's Communications Officer. On today's episode, I caught up with Mark Drake, who manages Lawson Grain's Wolyu operation at Regan's Ford. We discussed how the season has gone for them, his tips for finding and retaining staff during harvest, what they did to tackle safety and continue production when COVID-19 hit WA earlier this year, and the procedures in place to ensure their team gets through harvest safely. Before we get into it, here's a little bit about our guest. Mark was born into a dairy farming family back in the UK and has been involved in ag in one way or another ever since. Growing up on the farm, he had developed a knack for pulling things apart and putting them back together and went on to study farm mechanisation. Following his studies, he worked on various farming operations, eventually heading to Australia in 2002. Mark enjoyed the industry and community in Australia so much he decided to stay and has worked across WA from Hyden to Boddington to Esperance, ending up in Regan's Ford at the Lawson Grains Wolyu operation. Our conversation today was recorded in mid-October of 2020, right before the Work Health and Safety Bill was passed through the Upper House. This bill will now be sent to the Legislative Assembly for the final vote, which is expected on November 3rd and will become law once the supporting regulations are final next year. Now this bill states that industrial manslaughter will have a maximum penalty of 20 years of imprisonment for an individual and workplace safety will now come under a single act that covers all WA workplaces. So now more than ever farm safety is very very important. We'll include some information about what this bill will mean for farming businesses in today's show notes. Now, before we hear from today's guest, I'd just like to say the information provided in this podcast is general in nature and may not be wholly appropriate for your purposes or situation. We recommend that you seek appropriate professional advice before implementing actions based on information provided in this podcast. Today, I'm here with Mark Drake. He's the farm manager here at Lawson Grains while you in Regan's Ford. Welcome to the show, Mark. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for inviting me here. No worries. We'll get straight into it. How has the season gone for you this year? Uh, yeah, so 2020 has been an interesting one. Um, bit of a dry finish, but across the season, we've had decent rainfall. We're a bit under the average, but it's fallen at times when it's actually been needed. So this year, relative to last year, we've had a lot of smaller events, so 6, 10s, 12s, a couple of 20s. Last year, it was uh, 6, 12s. And a, like a 40 and another 40, so that really hurts us. This year's been kinder with the amount of rainfall and the timing. So what what did you put in this year? Yep, so this year we have um, lupins, canola, wheat and barley. It's a fairly standard rotation, bit of a tweak to it next year, but um, that's how it's been found here for the last three years. What's the tweak next year? Dropping barley out. Okay. Yeah. So a uh, bit of focus next year more on the wheat side of things and the, the rotational breaks, so canola, lupins. What kind of yields are you expecting from those? Uh, yep, so historically here, canola's been the best performer, and I think this year it's going to be again. Uh, we actually started harvesting two days ago, just getting set up in training, and it's looking really good so far. Uh, canola, I would expect 2 to 2.1. Uh, if I don't get 2, I won't be that happy, mm-hmm. but uh, it's looking like it's going to go 2 to 2.1. Uh, yeah, wheat, uh, I think wheat were, uh, I think it's forecast, and I'm expecting about 2.8, 2.6 to 2.8. Uh, barley three, 
and then Lupin's I'm hoping to is 2.1. Yeah, okay. Um, they've been looking good all year, but we had a hot week during flowering. Yeah. So it's, it's affected a little bit of the, the pods in the primary. Well, yeah, I must say the canolas looked very good this season. Every time you were driving past on Dandaragon Road, it was always like, wow, that's some very nice canola. Yeah, we managed to catch the early break. So we started seeding around about the 12th of April, I think. And then the day we finished the very first paddock, we had 12 mil. It all germinated that week. And it's just been going for glory ever since. Yeah. It, um, it flowered really early. And the um, earlier it flowers, the more pod depth you get. Yeah. So it's looking really good this year. Exciting. Yeah. So back to harvest, how do you attract staff during harvest? Um, so, yeah, historically, advertising is the way everybody does it. Um, we've been finding that through word of mouth, people come to us. We do advertise on our Facebook and Instagram pages, and that redirects people to our website for opportunities. So they gather names all year for anybody that's expression of interest. And then at seeding harvest time, um, they generally um, share those by region with the managers. So if somebody's interested in Western Australia, they can send to six farms here, so to speak. Another one for us is staff. I've had a lot of staff come here through prior workers. Um, so a few works I'm still good friends with, and they come to me, to me through them. So, yeah, word of mouth um, is a good one. Yep, great. 2020 has been a bit of a different year to previous years in terms of finding extra staff for harvest. Have you struggled at all this year or changed anything? Uh, yep. So 2020, I guess go right back to seeding. When COVID hit, I think everybody's really sure what's going to happen. Uh, my feeling was there's going to be plenty of people around. Uh, there was. So at seeding time, I don't have any issues finding anybody. Again, staff, all of the staff at seeding came through word of mouth or friends. Harvest time been a little bit trickier. I did try and get staff from over east, which um, generally a few guys do come over from east. Unfortunately, we're all denied access with the hard border. Mm. Um, given the ag's prime industry, and we require work because I was quite surprised. But yeah, they're denied. So I've managed to pick up two guys through a friend. She used to work here. She'd harvest here three years ago. Two guys come through her, and then um, another guy's coming about a week through one of the guys that's here now. So again, through friends or mate. So it's it's yeah, it's been tricky. Uh, experience is the other side of it. I guess with COVID, it's cut a lot of people out from overseas, which is where generally a lot of experience comes from. But you still have managed to get the positions filled with the experience required. Yeah. So there's one guy here. He's from Header. He worked for two of our other farms last year, seeding harvest and so. So he's come from one of those two farms. He's on head this year. Um, he's got a season's experience. And the other guys on the chase bin, um, chase bins, they don't have to have any experience. I'm quite happy for somebody to come and start learning the farming industry on chase bin. It's a bit, a bit tricky here with CTF. Um, they've got to understand how we work. Um, but yeah, they can, they come, come here with no experience on chase bin. Oh, that's good. I'm pretty sure there'll be a lot of people maybe trying to get into the industry now. Yeah, I think, you know, we all started somewhere. Yeah. Um, it's one of those things you've got to, you've got to take that leap of faith mm. uh, and give somebody an opportunity. Yeah. If you don't give people opportunities and no one's going to want to come to this industry and it's hard enough finding staff as it is. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, that's um, where I let them start on Chaserbin. They show good aptitude on Chaserbin and there's no reason for me they can't want to head up. So, we have the right attitude, it's fine. And there's plenty of hours to practice. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> so, back to COVID, when it hit, what procedures did you guys put in place to make sure that you could keep going and are any of those procedures still in place? Uh, yeah, so 
I guess when it hit pretty much followed government guidelines, when the staff were coming in, I guess part of the induction process back then was talking to them about hygiene, so making sure soap and water's been used, hand sanitizer. We provide a hand sanitizer for everywhere, so workshop, office, quarters, smoker room, all of all the youths, all the tractors, everything, all the hand sanitizer to use, disinfectant wipes, that kind of thing. I went through inductions on how to keep machinery clean, so at the end of every shift, wipe all the off and use surfaces down, so steering wheel controls, two-way radio. So yeah, just uh, general health. Um, we also asked them to limit their exposure outside of the work team and family when they're on time away. And it's, it's a big ask, but all we can do is ask. The guys are generally pretty good with that. With staff facilities, I split all the cables up into two teams, so I got I had two quarters at the time. So splitting 50-50, so the sea operators were in one set of quarters. Everybody else did another set. So if it was a sickness or something had symptoms, we could isolate them and get a test on them. Yeah. Hopefully um, manage it that way. Oh, good. And I noticed when I came in, I still got my hands sanitised on entry. So you're still following through with some of those procedures. Yeah, yeah. I guess everybody has got a bit lax in WA because we've been very lucky over here. Yeah. Um, generally, if I don't know somebody very well, or where they've been, they come for a visit, like yourself today, or um, sales reps that come around, first thing I'll do is give them a, a bit of a hand sanitizer squirt yeah. and go from there. Probably good, because you don't, even if it's COVID or any other flu, you don't want to get sick during harvest. No, I ain't got time Jesus, that. exactly. Mm. All right, so harvest is a pretty strenuous time in terms of the hours and the fatigue and the pressure. How, what do you do to retain staff during harvest? Okay, so to retain staff, I think the key thing is to make them part of the team. To feel like being part of the team, they're included, they're involved. Um, that's a big step in the right direction. Um, outside of that for us, I guess um, offering opportunity, so opportunity and accommodations. Accommodation here is pretty clean, it's pretty good. They get internet, Netflix, normal TV, all their food is supplied. I, I think a lot of people are doing that anyway. Yeah, okay. Um, with Especially the food. Yeah. There's only people that don't. Um, on a family farm, that's generally do. For us with the food, I have in the past had people cooking externally, and then we go and get it, bring it in, like mm. a week at a time. Uh, when COVID hit, I made a decision to make, well, not to make them, but they get their own food with a budget. They choose what they want, so they can eat what they want, and they prep it themselves. And that was just to reduce contact from outside. I just followed that through to harvest, so they go shopping once a week, they get what they want in a budget, and they can cook what they want and eat what they want. Um, that way they're making the choice. Another one too is small things. So something I do here, it's only a little thing. So once we get into harvest, every lunchtime they get an icy pole. Uh-huh. It's, it's a little thing. But every every lunchtime I want to deliver them, you can see they're looking forward to getting it. And it's a smile on the face. Yeah. It's just that little thing that makes them feel included. It's a good thing seeing them smile. It's important. It, it's including them in decision-making too. Now, I don't expect a casual to be making decisions. But if they're there when we're discussing what we're going to do and why, they're included. So they can understand what we're doing and why, rather than just being told, you go there, you go there and do that. They understand why, and that's part of the learning. Having the whole process is probably better for their decision-making on the spot as well. Yeah, it aids their learning. Yeah, and you were talking earlier about feeling like they're part of the team. It sounds like culture is very important. Our values are people, the environment, and best practice in Lawson Grants. Um, for me, people at the top, we can't do this without people. Mm. And I just, um, the culture of what we do is, um, is, is the most important thing. Awesome. Okay. Fatigue. Do you have a golden rule or golden rules when it comes to managing your fatigue and your team's fatigue? 
Uh, yeah, okay, so fatigue for us, or for me particularly here, I think is the most important safety aspect of any busy period. Accidents happen when people are tired. Uh, I've been around long enough to know that. I'm sure many people listening to this will know when they're tired, things go wrong. For us here, uh, we don't work more than 14 hours a day, ever. That's a hard and fast rule here. And then generally at this time of year, six days a week is all we do, Monday to Saturday. Six, seven day off Sundays. Um, gives the contractors a rest as they're required to. CBH generally isn't open for us here at Regensford. So I use that six day off with full rest. Um, I have in the past run 14 hours, but 13 days a day off when we're under pressure. I just noticed that around that 10, 11, 12th day, that's when things start to go wrong because mm. they're too tired. We also encourage the staff to let us know when they're tired. Um, they're not going to get in trouble because they can't do 14 hours. If they only managed to do nine, that's fine because it's safety. All we'll I ask is that let us know so we can plan. Yeah. Um, if they spring it on us, we can work around it. If someone lets me know they're getting fatigued, and it's easy to give them extra time off to work around it. Um, it it's, not, it's not a bad thing. It means they're talking to us. So when they get inducted, we run through all that, explain the guidelines, um, explain why, mm. go through the fatigue management. We have some um, documentation that explains fatigue how to identify fatigue and what to do. And then for me, the most important thing about managed fatigue is leading by example. I'm not going to sit and do a 20-hour day mm. when I don't want my staff to. So 14 hours is the cutoff, regardless. If something's going wrong at night after I've done the 14 hours, so I had a break down, it's it's until the morning. It's that simple. Oh, great. Like you say, things go wrong and the cost of that mistake might be greater than the cost of those few hours that, could have been spent catching up on sleep. Yeah, exactly. And it's as far as I understand that our income is stood out in the paddock and it's a critical time of year, mm-hmm. so we have to get it off. But I really believe it's worth taking an extra time with a few days or a week rather than losing somebody. You know, nobody wants anybody to get injured. Everybody wants everybody to go home and to die, and it's just not worth it. Another issue that comes up during harvest, especially on those hotter days or windy days, what is the process that you guys have for if a fire is accidentally started? Or Before we start harvesting, we have a sit-down with the team. We run through expectations for harvest. So that's all the machinery side of things. But then also we have a, like a fire management meeting as well. We have a policy, an induction policy, um, that they go through emergency plans when they first visit to the farm. So the first day they walk around, we go through we're all safe equipment is, how it all works. Um, we have training seats for every piece of equipment here, which includes the firefighting equipment. So at harvest time, we're running through how they all work, where the fill points are, how to check the vehicles they're mounted in as they, when they're doing the pre-starts. Fires or smoke themselves, we have good communications here on our private radio network. It's all basically conducted through that. So the minute there's smoke or fire seen, and they basically call up in the two-way, they just call out fire, 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 and wait for one of the senior team to respond. They explain where it is. Then that senior team deal with it. And categories generally because they're not trained in fighting fires. They just remove themselves from danger, come yeah. back to our muscle point, which is here at the main buildings, and let us deal with it. We have this year put extra firefighters on the chaser bins. And it's something I want to do because of the field paddock size here at Wally is quite big with some stretching to probably four kilometers from the track where the field bins are to fences. So it's a long way away. Getting a firefighter to the fire can take a long time. So this year we put firefighters on the chase bins with a fire beam on the front, like a water beam on the front, so it sprays out the front of the tractor, yep. three meters wide. So we go through the training. So when they are in the paddock, if it's a fire, they let us know where it is. 
and then chase Ben can tackle that edge of the fire. So it's a four metre wide spread of water out in front. There's a thousand litres in the chase bins. They just go along steady, trying to take out some of the edge of the fire to yeah. slow it down. Once that tank of water is empty, they're out of danger. They just leave. Hopefully, by the time that water is empty, they're all, the fire units are on site. Once we are alerted, there's a fire or smoke when the scene deems called triple O. Um, so here in Danny Shire, they've just asked us all that it's called triple O. That's the quickest way for everybody knows a fire. Oh, great. That sounds very thorough. Yeah, we have to, you know, it's like going back to the prop side of it. Now, our money is set up in the paddock. That's where our income is. We're protected. So it's important to have training for fires because they happen so frequently, you can't guarantee it's not going to happen. So they need to know what to do just in case. Doesn't matter if it takes me half a day to run through it all, it's just in case. If it never happens, great. I haven't wasted half a day because it's important. So if you have a new staff member come on and you go, okay, we're going to run through all of these things, and they say, oh, I know, I know that, I know that, do you run through it regardless? Yep. Anybody that comes here, because I do not know them, I run through everything. If they can show as we're running through a training procedure, whether it's in firefighters on the JCB on a tractor, I can I can see that they'll know what they're doing. If someone tells me they know what they're doing, I can very quickly see if they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Well, it takes that the risk out of it, but also your peace of mind. We've covered all of the questions. I've just got one last one that we ask all of our guests. What keeps you interested in farming? Big question. I guess there's a couple of things. So the lifestyle and ag, what we do for me here at Broadacre Ag is no livestock. It's a bit different to the guys that have livestock. It's a challenge, especially here in the series of soil types. I don't like being challenged. I don't like being bored. So every day is something new in ag, in farming. Yeah, so for me, it's the challenge, the daily challenge. It never gets old. And the lifestyle... I'm lucky to be in this position with Lawson Grains and we get to manage these farms like they're our own and it gives us that freedom to make decisions, to take time when we need it. We don't have to generally ask for time as long as we manage what we're doing. So the freedom is here to match the lifestyle. Now we're very close to the coast here. I don't get to the beach too much we are busy, but it has just been being able to live the free lifestyle that we do. It's it's a it's a good one. I like it and I think it shows through this COVID scenario and how lucky we really are in the country. And even when lockdowns were happening here in WA, I didn't notice any difference. Mm. Now, we, we were here during seeding, so it's not often I leave the farm much during seeding anyway. But apart from hand sanitizer all over the place, a bit more soap getting splashed around, didn't notice any difference. So we're just very lucky to have what we do out here. And such a, the industry itself isn't always necessarily the most stable, but compared to other industries that have gone under due to the pandemic, yeah, yeah we're pretty safe. Yeah. You know, people, people always need to eat food, whether it's grown out here or in a glass house, there's always work in the ag. And whether you're on a farm that gets sold or not, you know, somebody's going to have to run that property, it's always being staff. So yes, it is a secure industry, so to speak. Yes, it's a yeah, lifestyle and challenge for me. Great. Thank you for sharing your experience and your knowledge with us today. And I hope harvest goes to plan and you don't have too many of the issues that we've talked about today. No, it never goes to plan. (laughs) Thanks for coming on. Thank you very much for inviting me. Some great insight there into the procedures undertaken by a farming enterprise to protect and manage their staff, not only during busy periods, but also in the wake of COVID-19. So some key messages from today's episode. Maintaining a positive and inclusive culture and team environment can improve your chances of retaining staff during busy periods such as harvest. Managing fatigue by working a maximum of 14 hours per day 
for six days means Mark's team has fewer incidents and can make better decisions under pressure. Thorough safety induction procedures, communications processes and plenty of resources on hand to control harvest fires reduces the risk of damage to crops, machinery, infrastructure and most importantly to people. You can follow Mark on Twitter at Drakey04 and I'll put that in today's show notes so he's easy to find. You'll also be able to find other resources including the GRDC's article about managing and retaining staff during harvest this year. They've got some really useful tools and advice in there. You can also find that article in our most recent edition of our technical newsletter, the WMG Quarterly. If you remember, you would have received that in the post or in your emails at the beginning of October. But in case you missed it, we thought we'd put it in here too because it is such a good resource. The best way to receive our updates and to stay in the loop with the latest in local research is by becoming a West Midlands Group member. Our members are an essential part of why we do what we do and we pride ourselves on ensuring members like you receive relevant, innovative information. A membership gets you early access to our workshops, free or discounted entry for up to three farm business members to our major events, including Springfield Days, and exclusive access to a member-only publications like our technical newsletter, the WMG Quarterly. For more information, visit our website where you can sign up anytime. The West Midlands Group is excited to offer free membership between October and December this year. So don't miss this great opportunity to get a taste of what we can offer your farm business. Simply follow the link in today's show notes to sign up. And thank you as always for tuning in. We want to know what you want to hear about. In the show notes, you'll be able to find a link titled Podcast Feedback, where you can let us know who you want to hear from, what you want to hear about, and it would just give us a better idea of what you guys are interested in. You can stay in the loop by subscribing so that you know when the next episode drops. And if you like what you're hearing, leave a review. I'd like to thank our sponsors and members without whom this would not be possible. See you next time for some more Paddock Chat. Local knowledge from a paddock near you.